0: Let's pray. God, once again, we thank you and we praise you simply for who you are. If you had done nothing more for us than sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, that would be more than enough. And yet you have, you have given us more than we could possibly imagine. And so we come with hearts of gratitude this morning to say thank you. Thank you for who you are and thank you for what you have done. Uh, We ask God now as we turn to your word that you would quiet our hearts, that you would cause uh, our minds to remove from our minds the distractions, the cares, the worries uh, that we have brought with us this morning and allow us, God, to sit in your presence, to literally just sit at your feet, to hear from you. We need you more than we need anything else. I pray that you would speak clearly through me in these moments and I pray, God, that we would not leave here unchanged because we have had an encounter with you. Pray all of this in the name of your Son Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, someone left me water up here, but it's already been drunken from. Drink, drunk. I'm not going to drink that one. I'm grateful for it. Uh, good morning again. Good morning. Good morning. So great to be with you all and uh, to have this opportunity to share God's word. We are going to not be in Mark today. Is that going to mess you up a little bit? We are hitting pause on our series in the Gospel of Mark that we are calling Let's Go. And we are going to do that uh, because we sit in a very unique season here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. We are in a season of tremendous change at ALCF right now. Some of you I see nodding your heads. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Well, the whole world is in this tremendous season of change right now. I don't care if you're a church, an organization, a company, a family, everyone is figuring out how to navigate a new normal in a, uh, a constant COVID world. And what does this look like? Uh, we just have some additional changes here at ALCF that we're working through along with everybody else. And one is we have a new pastor. And I know that that's been actually, I think a year, but it doesn't feel like it's been a year. That's been the, one of the weirdest years it, of any of our lifetimes. And uh, as we let you know several months ago, and we're going to continue to get you updates on, uh, we're looking for a new place to to have church. Uh, Our time in this building is coming, our season in this building is coming to an end. And so we find ourselves just in a tremendous season of of change and uncertainty uh, at ALCF. And so I want to put a pause on our series in Mark, which uh, has been great. It's not because we're not enjoying that series or not because I'm not enjoying that series. Uh, But I want to spend today and the next three weeks, and I want to spend some time talking about the vision and mission and values of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship as we stand here today. I wanna try and answer some questions like uh, what I've called the sermon, which is, what are we doing here? I wanna answer questions like, where are we headed? Or try to answer as best I can, where are we headed? I wanna answer questions like, do I wanna be a part of this? And that's not, I'm not, that's not me answering that for me. That was a royal, like, do I, all of us, do we want to be a part of this? I want to talk about what is our vision as we sit here today? What is the mission of this church? And then over the next three weeks, I want to talk about the three values that I think we want to lean into as like the three legs of the stool that hold up that vision. Now, if you are like me, You may be sitting here this morning thinking, how do you possibly talk about what the future holds in a season like we are sitting in right now? And I have greatly wrestled with that in these last weeks and months. So here's what I'm going to do. My hope today is to present to you all a vision for this church or a mission for this church that supersedes circumstances. Circumstances change. Seasons change. Uh... COVID comes, and hopefully someday COVID goes. Pastors come and pastors go. Yeah, you can clap for that. Not the pastor part, the COVID part. (laughs) Buildings come and buildings go. Congregants come and congregants go. There are seasons of great, and there are seasons of plenty. And my hope this morning is to present a vision of what this church can and I think should be Regardless of the season or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So, to do that, I'm going to root it in a passage of scripture found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And I'm going to give you a minute to get there because I need to get there myself. Matthew 22. Starting in verse 34 and going through 40, this is what it says. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him, that's Jesus, he asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you know that we're in a drought? It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really rhetorical. Do you know that we're in a drought? As we stand here today, eighty-eight per cent of the state of California is under the condition that is known as extreme drought. And the place we are at right now if you're here in person maybe if you're watching online depending on where you live santa clara county might be the worst off of any place in the state right now as of this past week the uh the santa clara county reservoirs or the reservoirs that feed santa clara county are at 12 percent full that's not a great number when you're looking for water Uh, in june the county uh declared a drought emergency Uh, They are now talking about starting to charge uh, a surcharge or a penalty for households that use too much water. I have four children. We use the washing machine and the dishwasher like your body uses oxygen. We could be in trouble. And really the whole state is in trouble. Uh, Farmers and crops are suffering. If you have a lawn and you're following the rules, your lawn and your landscaping is suffering. Our cars are filthy. I'm grateful for it because it's just a good excuse, a good reason for mine to be filthy. Um, We were at a soccer game yesterday and virtually every car in the parking lot, even the really expensive ones, were just dirty because everyone is hopefully doing their part and trying to conserve water. I read something this week that there are actually underground reserves of water, but they're afraid to use them because they're afraid of major sinkholes opening up in the ground. And this is to say nothing of the wildfires that are so intimately tied to the fact that we are in a drought. The place that we live is desperate for rain. We are desperate for water. And if you'll just go with me, like, take it one step further. The drought that we're in right now, and for those of you who are longtime residents of this place, I know you're like, this is like drought number 16 in my lifetime. It is just a little microcosm of the bigger challenge of living in the Bay Area. This is not an easy place to live. The Bay Area is not an easy place to live. It is amazing the juxtaposition that that exists in this place. There is maybe no place in our country which draws more people seeking to find the American dream than the Bay Area. And there's also probably no place in our country where it is harder to actually achieve the American dream than the Bay Area. This place is full of just unbelievable juxtapositions. It is like the Garden of Eden weather. It is the... the, the the ocean and the mountains and the forests and wine country and the deserts there are there are a dozen places within a day's drive of where we sit right now that people spend their their life savings to come over and see once in their lifetime we're like we can go to Yosemite for the day people that's the trip of their lifetime and yet there's this impossible housing situation There's this impossible congestion on our roads and in our restaurants and in our public places. There's this unbelievable um, juxtaposition of unbelievable wealth and unbelievable poverty that live like this close together. There's homelessness. There's droughts. There's power outages. This is not an easy place to live. I read a fascinating article this week in The Atlantic. It actually came out several weeks ago, but I just was able to get to it this week. It was called The California Dream is Dying. And I want to read you a quote from that article. This is not from the author. He is quoting the governor of California who said this. Say, speaking of the state that we, state of California, says, The Stampede has visited us with unprecedented civic problems, partly because even if we had been forewarned, we could have done but little to prepare for the shock during the stringent war years. So we have an appalling housing shortage. Our schools are packed to suffocation, and our highways are inadequate and dangerous. We are short of water and short of power. And all of us who are reading that right now are like, yep, that makes sense. That was the governor of California, not Gavin Newsom. Earl Warren, in August of 1948. 73 years ago. That's... A generation is 25 years. Three generations ago, and we're all like, same, same. Like, that's what it feels like today. The point of this sermon, the point of this introduction, is not to bag on the state of California. It is simply to make the case, this is not an easy place to live. This place is not only desperate for rain, it is desperate for a lot of other things. It is desperate for more affordable housing. It is desperate for equality. It is desperate for for clean water. It is desperate for reliable power. It is desperate for less congestion and safer roads and better schools. But it is also desperate for something that supersedes all of those. The place that we live is desperate for Jesus. It is not only a physical drought that we are experiencing in this place, it is a spiritual drought. We are desperate not for physical water only, but we are desperate for spiritual water. We are desperate for the rivers of living water that flow out of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on a cross in our place, and that is where we come in. We have that water. We know where to get it. If we are following Jesus Christ, if he is living inside of us, we have that fountain of living water inside of us. And so we have a purpose in this place. This place is desperate for Jesus Christ, and we have him. And so we are here in this place at this time, a real church with real people in a real place to do what I believe are two things. It is to know Jesus and to make him known. We exist here at Abundant Life to know Jesus and to make him known. I, you don't have to wait to the end of my sermon for me to answer the question that I started with at the beginning. I know I say that a lot. What are we doing here? We are here to know Jesus and to make him known. And that is that idea, that theme is found all over scripture. But today I want to root it in the passage that we looked at in Matthew chapter 22 because I believe it's one of the clearest places that, the, that God's word makes makes um, a calling on what we are supposed to be about in our time that we are here. So let's look back at this passage now, uh, and and we're gonna see the first thing that I wanna draw out of it, which is this. We exist to know Jesus. We exist to know Jesus. So in Matthew 22, we get a, a series of stories where the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two groups who were very opposed to each other, but found a lot in common with a united enemy in Jesus Christ. They're trying to catch Jesus. They're trying to to call him out. They're trying to do something to trick him, get him to say something wrong so they can bring him down. The Pharisees come to Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 22, in verses 34 to 40, and they say to him, verse 36, Teacher, Which is the great commandment in the law? And here's what we need to know about the Pharisees. They were the keepers of the law of God. They were the ones, they were the the sect of Judaism that held highest the Old Testament law that God had given the Israelites through Moses. They had drawn out 613 commandments that God had given through Moses in the Pentateuch in the Old Testament. And they said a good Jewish person follows all of these. And one of their favorite things to do, this is true, was to debate amongst themselves the relative merit of those 613 commandments. They love to talk about which was more important, which was less important. Is it more important not to boil a kid in your mother's milk or to not walk your oxen on the Sabbath? And they would have all kinds of arguments about that. And so they come to Jesus and they're like, "We're we're gonna get him in this one. So they say, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is what he says, verses 37 and 38. He says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So here's what Jesus says. He says, uh, you know the Shema is from Deuteronomy 6. Every good Jewish person recited it twice a day, including the Pharisees who were asking this question. Jesus says, that's the most important commandment. And here's what I love about these verses. Uh, As we've been studying Jesus in Mark, and we've been in some of his parables, what we have learned is that very often when people tried to trick Jesus, he answered them in these kind of esoteric, ambiguous ways, and kind of made them think about what he was getting at. He doesn't do it here. The Pharisees come and they say to him, what's the most important thing? And he doesn't pull any punches. He says this, love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. That's the number one thing. It's the most important thing. So how do we here at Abundant Life get no Jesus from love the, Lord with all, love the Lord your God with all your mind and all your soul and all your heart? Well, we had to simplify it because to put love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and heart on the outside of the doors would have been a lot of words above the doors. So we simplified it down to we exist to know Jesus. And I want to just take on a 60-second on a theology tour to understand how we get to know Jesus from that. We believe in a Trinitarian God. We believe there is one God, the God of this Bible, the true God is one God, but he exists in three persons. It's hard to explain, it's hard to understand, so I'm not going to try and do it in this moment. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God the Son, he holds a special place in the Trinity. Not better not superior, a unique place in the Trinity because of the three persons of the Trinity, Jesus is the one who took on the mission to come and in, enter into creation, to put on flesh, to reveal to creation who God is and what he looks like. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so when we want to know who God is, the first one we look at is Jesus. Jesus. He made evident for us what was invisible before. And in order to love God, we must know him. You can't love something you don't know. And so what we are doing here at Abundant Life is we are saying if the greatest thing, the first and greatest commandment is to love God with every part of our being, we gotta know him to do that. And so we exist here to know Jesus. Now lest you think that I am making some exegetical sleight of hand to get there. I just want to give you a few verses that back up why we're going with that for a vision and a mission. Here they are. John 10, 14. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Later in John 17, 3, Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Later, in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, the Apostle Paul says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And in Philippians 3.8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Jesus doesn't pull any punches. They say, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, it is to know me, know me, we exist to know me. Uh, Now, what I want us to be clear on, and I make a distinction in this moment, is it is one thing to know about Jesus, and it is another thing to know Jesus. There are a lot of people sitting in church pews this morning who know about Jesus, but who don't actually know Jesus. And we are not saying we want to know about Jesus. We're saying we want to know Jesus. When I was 17, my grandparents moved to the central coast of California. Uh, And so we came out here and visited them, spring break. uh, It was the first time this kid from the Midwest had ever been on the West Coast. And I was like, central coast of California, I was like, what is this alternate reality that I have entered into? What is this place and how do I live here? Uh, One of the experiences I had during my first trip to California, and actually I didn't just experience it once, I experienced it not two times, but three times in one week of being here in California, was I went to In-N-Out. Amen. Come on. Now I know, I know for those of us who live here, and it's right in our backyard, it has become common. But for outsiders... There is something special about that place called In-N-Out, the the palm trees that cross. It's it's amazing. (laughs) I had heard about In-N-Out before I came. I knew about it, I was up on pop culture, I'd seen references to it, I had an idea of what it was. I had eaten at McDonald's a bunch of times and so I was like, it's a fast food burger. I kind of probably have an idea of what In-N-Out is. I knew about it, but I didn't know it. And when I came, Nothing could have prepared me for what it was like to meet the double-double in person. I had to taste and see that it was good. And knowing it was completely different than knowing about it. And that is what we want to be about here at Abundant Life. It is... My wife's cracking up down here on the front row. It is not about knowing about Jesus. We can, we, can, we can fill our heads with knowledge about him and never actually experience him. We want this to be a place where we experience Jesus where we taste and see that he is good. It is our hope and dream that whether the sum total of your experience at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship is 60 minutes or 60 years, you will be able to say, I experienced Jesus in that place. It is why we are so ruthlessly committed to this book, because these are his words this is the primary way that you know and experience Jesus is to interact with this book. It is why I count it such an unbelievable privilege and count it such a heavy weight that week after week I get to stand up here and speak with you about the words of this book because this is literally how we experience Jesus. But we can't do it alone. You could say, Well, I'll just me, my Bible, I I, I can experience Jesus that way. We are the body of Christ. And to know him, to experience him, as messed up and and as awkward as we are, you have to be connected to his body. The word of God knows nothing of a Lone Ranger Christian. It knows nothing of a solo or an off-the-grid Christian. We know Jesus by being a part of a local church that is literally his body. We exist to know Jesus. Uh, I want you to hear just quickly what J.I. Packer says about this in his a book titled, Knowing God. He says this, he says, There is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them and that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life through death and on forever. That was half-hearted, but we'll take it. Why are we here? We're here primarily, no, we're here first of all to know Jesus. Now, the second thing, second thing I want to draw out of this text and the second half of the mission and vision of this church in this season. We exist to make Jesus known. We exist to make Jesus known. So Jesus doesn't stop there. He says this is the first and great commandment. And then verse 39, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Do you see what's really interesting about this statement? I think we see the word second in there. And very often we think it's below. That's not what he is saying. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, catch this. Jesus is not saying first you love God. And then secondly, you love your neighbor. He's not saying love for God goes first and love for neighbor comes along behind. He is saying the second commandment is like the first. So love for God and love for neighbor go hand in hand. They go next to each other. I think the the Western Evangelical Church has done a pretty crummy job of this. We're pretty good with, with part one, but we don't do such a good job with part two. And it is not subjugated to part one. We are to know Jesus and to make him known. They go hand in hand. Now, I want to try and do the same thing I did with the first point, and this is this. How do we get to know, or how do we get to make Jesus known from love your neighbor as yourself? Jesus is saying here there is a vertical component to our walk with God, and there is a horizontal component to our walk with God. And they go hand in hand. The way that you show that you are loving God is the way that you love the people who are around you. We do not simply exist to walk one-on-one with the God of the universe. We exist to show and share his love with those who are around us. For those of us who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, we have been given a gift. We have a treasure and Jesus is saying, if that, if that treasure has been given to you, you do not keep it for yourself. You share that treasure with those who are around you. We do not exist just to know Jesus. We exist to know Jesus and to make him known. About seven years ago, uh, I had a crisis of faith. Not a crisis of doubt, not a crisis of faith doubt. Had those two. This is not, the one. That's, this is not that one. Uh, About seven years ago, I had a crisis of faith, and this is what it looked like. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church all the time. I led ministry in college. I went to a Christian college. I married an amazing Christian wife. Uh, I went to church virtually every week as an adult. I tithed regularly, maybe not generously, but I hit my 10%. A lot, of, a lot of December 30ths that I was online punching through a bunch of donations to make sure I hit my 10% for the year. Anybody? <laughs> Safe space. That's not really the point, but I'm just trying to be transparent with you. Um, was in a small group. Was in a men's ministry. By every standard that you would say, is this guy a Christian? For white, suburban North America, it would be like, yes, he is a Christian. But I started looking at passages like the one we are looking at today and so many others like it in scripture where it says our call is to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourself. And I started asking myself, does my life reflect what I say I believe? If I really believe it, would my life look the way that it does right now? I think I was pretty good on number one, but I wasn't doing great on number two. And so ultimately what happened is I quit my job, I went to seminary, and here I am seven years later, and every week I have the privilege and the weight of of getting up and speaking about God's word, about talking about what it looks like to follow God and to know him and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to, to make him known. Now please, here's what I want you to hear in that. Here's what I don't want you to hear in that. What I don't want you to hear in that is if you are like, I'm not sure if my life lines up with what I say I believe, then that means you got to quit your job and go to seminary and become a pastor. If you knew the, the, the heartache and the, and the storms that, that we have walked through over the last seven years and still feel, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not sure that was the best decision for you. It was the path that God had for us. It was the path that God had for me. And your path may be different. Making Jesus known is evangelism. It is proclaiming with words who Jesus is and what he has done. And in a lot of ways, that is the distinct privilege of a pastor. But listen to me, it is more than words. Making Jesus known is more than words because look at what he says in this passage. Just sit with this for a minute. He doesn't say, Go and tell people about me. He says, Love your neighbor as yourself. What is implied in that? That we love ourselves. Now look, I know there's a lot of us here this morning and watching online who are probably like, Pastor Gary, I don't even like myself. And I'm like, I hear you. And I feel the same way sometimes. But even when we don't like ourselves, I would argue we still show love for ourselves. We still feed ourselves when we are hungry. We still clothe ourselves when we are naked. We still rest when we need rest. Probably not as soon as we should, but eventually we get there. We, we pursue jobs and we pursue relationships and we pursue opportunities that we think are going to enhance our lives. We educate ourselves. We aim at things and try and make ourselves better. We take vacations. All of these are ways that we show ourselves that we love ourselves. Most of us probably don't get up every morning and preach the gospel to ourselves. We should. That would be awesome. But we do get up and and feed ourselves and clothe ourselves and do things to provide for ourselves. And so if Jesus is saying, your call is to love your neighbor as yourself, what is he saying? We need to be doing the same things for others that we are doing for ourselves. Yes, it is words. Yes, it is evangelism. Yes, it is telling people with words the truth of the gospel. But it is also loving them indeed. It is words and it is actions. To make Jesus known is more than standing on the street corner and preaching about the gospel. That is good and right and needed, and God will bless it. But it is loving our neighbors like we love ourselves. It is helping to feed them. It is helping to clothe them. It is helping to give them rest when they need rest. It is helping them to get medicine and help when they need medicine and help. It is facing outward, not inward. It is sacrificing our time and our talents and our treasure to serve those who God has put in our lives. Let me say that again because we like to talk about it, but we don't like to actually do it. To make Jesus known is to sacrifice. It is not something that fits neatly in the margins of our lives after we have gotten ours. It is to intentionally lay down our lives, intentionally incur costs on ourselves which we never expect to be paid back simply because we have a treasure and the world needs to hear about it. And it doesn't need to just hear about it, it needs to see it lived out. We exist to know Jesus and to make him known. And that is true in any season in any circumstance, whether the church is big, whether the church is small, whether we have a beautiful building or we're meeting in a high school gym, whether the budget is huge or the budget is small, we exist to know Jesus and to make him known. Back in my business days, uh, every year I would write a business plan, mainly because my boss wanted it. I Uh, I don't think like vision casting vision is one of my strong suits one of my gifts and that was true back when I had to have a vision for my business Uh, I did it because we were supposed to now listen to me I believe in them I believe in business plans I believe in planning I believe in preparing I believe in ministry plans but there was always this distinct feeling inside of me as I was working on my business plan that this is more of a business hope than a business plan Because my boss wanted to know, how much are you going to sell next year? How much are you going to grow your business by? What are your expenses going to be? And I'm like, all of these things I have like this much control over. And this much is out of my control. If the market's good and the economy's good, I might hit these numbers easily or surpass them. If the market's not good and the economy's bad, I might not even come close to these. And anyone who's been in sales, you know what it's like. You'll have a month where you work your tail off and it's like the worst month of your year. You'll have a month where you go on vacation for two weeks and it's like the best month of your year. There is so much that is out of our control. And that is true for us in this church as we stand here September 12th, 2021. I do not know what the future holds. I don't know what the future holds for this church. I don't know if people are going to come or if people are going to go. I do, both. Some people are going to come, some people are going to go. I don't know what our building situation is going to look like. We are diligently working on that and we're going to keep you informed and it's top priority. But we just don't know how that's going to play out. I don't know uh, what the, what the culture is going to feel like. I don't know what the staff is going to look like. We don't know who the elders are always going to be. Uh, we don't know so many things about what the future of this church holds. But here's what I do know. I know this. I did not do what I did six years ago. I did not blow up a life that was safe and comfortable and secure and predictable I did not move my family across the country twice. I did not go back to school in my mid-30s with four kids. I did not come to the dying California dream. I did not go through all the valleys and the heartaches and the frustrations and the disappointments that I've gone through over the last six years to come out here and play church. I didn't... I did not do it to come here and create a little club where we all face inward and we all hang out with people who believe the same things as us and, and speak the same insider language as us. And we hear the worship songs that we like and we hear a decent sermon every, every week. I did not come to create a club. I did not come to create an experience. I did not come to create a Sunday morning worship experience so, so that the worship is amazing and the preaching is fantastic in hopes that people will come and give their money to this amazing show that they came to see. I came. I did what I did because I wanted to lay my life down for the sake of the gospel, because I wanted to lay my life down for the sake of knowing Jesus and making him known. I came because I wanted to be a part of something that was kicking in the gates of hell. I wanted to be a part of something that was on the team that is, that is radically laying down their lives because we are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. And there is a bigger vision then coming out to the Bay Area to, make, uh, you know, to buy a $2 million house and put a couple Teslas in the garage. There is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that at all, but I want to be a part of a place that is casting a vision that is bigger than that, where people come and they think, I am here for a bigger reason than myself. I want to be a part of a church that is knowing Jesus and that is making him known. How do we do that? I have no idea. I have no idea how we do that. And that's the way it should be. Because there is nothing in our power that can turn us into the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be. It is only his spirit working through us. I have hopes and I have dreams for Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. I want this to be, I want to see thousands of baptisms. I want to see families restored and thriving. I want to see marriages restored and thriving. I want to see people move from death to life. I want to see people who would never step foot in a church come here and sense that they are experiencing Jesus. I want to see people go from spiritual infancy to spiritual young adulthood to spiritual maturity to spiritual fatherhood and motherhood. I want, I want to support missionaries. I want to raise up I want some of you to become missionaries. I want you to say I have a, I have a calling on my life that I cannot deny and we facilitate that move for you. I want us to plant churches. I, I, want us to, I want us to be a vibrant alive community that is not facing in but is facing out and is doing battle on the daily with Satan and his demons here in the Bay Area. I want to continue the 30 plus year legacy of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship being a place that knows Jesus and makes him known and is shining a light into the darkness of the Bay Area and is changing the community around it because Jesus' power is working through it but we can only do that if Jesus is in the midst of us and so we are here to know Jesus and to make him known I do not want to waste my life aiming too low and I do not want any of us to do it either may we not waste our lives we don't know what God is going to do but we know what he is capable of We don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. His call is very simple. Love me and love others. Know Jesus and make him known. What are we doing here? We are knowing Jesus and we are making him known. Let's pray. guys. we talked about earlier, all of life, there are going to be things to be afraid of. There are going to be uncertainties. There's going to be things that aren't clear. And we sit in a season, in a moment today, where the future, in a lot of ways, is very unclear. But that's not really our concern. Because all you call us to do is walk with you and to show your love to the world around us. You have shown us what is good, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. God, we are just a group of broken, sinful people who have no power in and of ourselves to to even stay alive. But we long to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. We long, God, to see your works in our lifetime. We long to see the place that we live and work and play and call home and work out and go to school transformed not by some vision of of technology or education but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. May abundant life be a place God that is knowing you and making you known and we can only do it if you empower us to do so. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the hope that is found in you. Help us to love you well and to love others well. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Stand with me. Stand with me, Church, and let's sing this song.
0: sincerely hope that God will so move in your heart to say, I want to be a part of what's happening here at ALCF. Uh, after service, there may be a tent out there. There may not be, but I'll be out there. If you might be new or visiting with us today, I meant to welcome you earlier, and I didn't. I'd love to meet you and say hello. Um, if you need prayer for anything, please let us know. We have a prayer team that loves to pray. You can fill out one of these cards up here. You can send us an email at prayer@alcf.net. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you want to know more about what it means to actually know Jesus, if you're like, I think I know about Jesus, I'm not sure I've actually tasted and seen that he is good, I would love to talk to you about that. One of our staff members, one of our elders, one of our ministry leaders, please reach out. Now receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until we meet again or until our Savior comes and then forever. Amen. You're loved and you are prayed for and you are sent.